Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Angelman syndrome is described as a complex genetic disorder that primarily affects the nervous system. Characteristic features of this condition include delayed development, intellectual disability, severe speech impairment, and problems with movement and balance. Most affected children also have recurrent seizures and a small head size. And joining us to talk about her son Carson and how CBD has helped is Alana Boyd from Ontario, Canada. Alana, had you ever heard of Angelman's syndrome before Carson's diagnosis? Um, no, we had only heard of it once the geneticist told us about it. What were some of his symptoms that led you to see a doctor? Um, he's always been severely delayed since birth. He had started having seizures that we weren't unaware of that were seizures. We just really, like he doesn't speak, he didn't walk until he was three. So we just went through a bunch of testing and eventually got the um, genetics testing done, and he was confirmed to be Angelman. How old is he? He's four. He'll be five in August. Five in August. And when was he diagnosed? At what age? When he was two. When he was two. So what was it like for you the day he was diagnosed? Um, We didn't really know what to feel or how to feel. It was devastating, of course. But it was kind of nice just finally having a diagnosis and being able to move forward. You know, in reading about this uh, syndrome, the kids have trouble sleeping, they need less sleep than usual, and have a fascination with water. Yes. No, does he have a fascination with water? He does. He is obsessed with water. Obsessed? It can actually be kind of dangerous. <laughs> uh, what does he do? Um, He loves to put his head under the water. He likes when the water's flowing on him. Um, He doesn't really have any sense of danger, so he wouldn't know not to inhale it and stuff like that. Mm. So I imagine you have to pretty pretty much supervise him, particularly if you happen to go to anywhere near near, uh, water where there's deep water. Oh, yes. Like we had to take our pond out of our backyard. Um, Anytime it's bath time, he needs full supervision. Alana, what was a typical day like for you? Um, Very busy. We don't really get to sit down ever because we have to chase him everywhere. He has no form of communication, so it's kind of just a guessing game all the time. And how does he react to his parents? He's very, very excited. He loves his parents. And he has siblings as well, correct? Yes, he has a little brother who's two. Little brother. Does he interact with his brother? Oh, yeah, they play and they fight. Just typical siblings. Typical, yeah. <laughs> but they can't communicate between each other. At least Carson can't communicate with his younger brother. Right. Not um, verbally, at least. Verbally. No, not verbally. Um, he pinches him and just kind of communicates with him by fighting with him. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Now, was Carson on any medication? Um, yes, he was on five medications for his seizures at one point. And how did he respond to the medications? Um, he's very sensitive to medication, so any side effects that were usually to come with a medication, he would generally get. How many seizures was he having in, say, a 24-hour period? Um, at one point, probably 10 to 20 a day, if not more, give or take, here and there. Now, is that sort of the norm for a child who has Angelman to have that many? Typically, I think, um, obviously, everybody's different, but generally, from what I know from other families, that is basically kind of a typical day for them. When did when was he first started on medication? We had gotten his diagnosis in August, and he started having really bad seizures and started on medication in November, so when he was just after he turned two. Scary stuff, eh? Yeah. Did the medication help at all? Um, yes and no, but um, we've had to trial quite a few medications because, like I said, the side effects um, were kind of worse than the seizures. What were some of the and, side effects? Um, some of them would start, like he's very underweight to begin with, so a lot of the medications would take away his appetite. Um, a lot of like kidney issues, which actually landed us in the ICU at one point. Um, aggression, severe aggression. He stopped walking for a little bit. Tremors really bad. Lots of side effects. Uh, now, is he able to go to school? He is. He started full-time school in September. Good for him. I, I assume he's he has... Like he does, a, have an, does he have an aide or something with him? He, yeah, he has an EA with him full-time. Mm. Now, tell us about uh, the use of CBD or cannabis. Was it Just CBD, or were you using more than that? Um, So he still takes his regular seizure medications, but we've got down to two of them. Actually, we were on just one, but we recently had to start back another one, Um, and he takes the CBD. CBD. And how did he react when you first gave him the CBD? It took about a month for it to fully kick in, I think, Um, No, he didn't have any side effects, anything negative about it. Um, But within about a month, we started seeing significant positives. Um, He started walking again. He's almost running now. Um, He is back to eating. He has better time. He sleeps a lot better. And we haven't been in the hospital at all. What about his seizures? Did they lessen the amount of seizures he had or the intensity of them? Um, yep. No, we haven't had. He was actually went seven months seizure-free since we started the cannabis. From going, so that's coming from 10, 10 or so seizures a day to eight months with none. Yep. Wow. Yep. I'd had, say that's I mean, impressive. He, he's maybe had a few just like minor seizures, but nothing that sent us to the hospital. That's got to be a sense of relief just to know that you've got a bit of a handle even on the seizures. Oh, absolutely. That was probably the scariest part of the whole diagnosis was the seizure portion. How did did you first stumble across CBD as a possible um, alternative? Um, I'd actually read about a few families in my Angelman groups who have tried it for their um, children, and it's all been positive results from what I'd seen. So I went ahead and spoke with the neurologist who was not for it, so we ended up switching neurologists, 
and yeah. What did your What did the negative neurologist say about it? Basically, that he just didn't want to put him on it because um, they didn't really know long term effects of it. But do they know the long term effects of the other prescriptions that your son's on or was on? They claim to, but yeah. I don't think that they realize how bad the side effects actually can be. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's the rate of uh, or inc- rate of incidence or level of incidence of p- kids that have Angelman's? Is, you know, I I had heard of it. Ian had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what? How many children a year would you say, just off the top of your head, are diagnosed say, in Canada with Angelman's in a year? One in twenty thousand worldwide. Okay. One in twenty thousand worldwide. worldwide. That's a lot more yeah. than I thought. Yeah. There is quite a few, actually. Um, since we found out that he had it, I've connected with quite a few families that are just around the corner from us. Alana, what's the long-term prognosis uh, for a child with Angelman? Um, like, the, what? Yeah, what? Do, like, I mean, do they, do yeah, they what, have an average, a normal lifespan, or? Um, yeah, so he he does have a normal life expectancy, um, provided seizures are under control. A lot of times they do pass away from seizures, mm-hmm. um, but typically they do have a normal lifespan. Would he be required to have supervision and somebody helping him, I guess, even as an adult? To which, sorry? Would he, would he need somebody, you know, with him as an adult? He wouldn't be able to uh, function yeah. completely on his own. Yeah, he'll never be um, be able to be independent. Okay. What about his speech impairment? Will he ever be able to speak? They say no, but of course we have hope. Um, not, I haven't come across any who have been able to speak, though. Yeah. Alana, how much? Sorry, how, how no, much? How much CBD is he on? What's the percent of the CBD that he's taking? Um, so he takes one mil twice a day and it's, I don't have the bottle in front of me. I don't know the exact percentage. Okay. Um, can I ask you, do you know if, if, is this CBD from hemp or CBD from cannabis? Cannabis. Mm. Is there any THC in it? Um, 0.01%. Mm. 0.01%. In your group of uh, angelmen folk who take CBD, is there anyone that is giving their child with angelmen uh, a higher THC level that you're aware of? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, no, that's fine. Now, what I read about angelmen is that with age, they become less excitable and sleeping problems tend to improve, which is is good news. Does Carson have trouble sleeping? He does. He has a severe sleep disorder. Um, I'm trying to get... He's, he only takes melatonin right now for sleep, um, but we've had to increase quite a bit. So I'm hoping we don't have to go to another type of sleep med. I'm trying to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, melatonin is good. Yes, it's all natural, so yeah, okay with that. <laughs> He sleeps less, and I'm just wondering what impact that has on his parents. Um, Mom's very tired. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, I. his room is pretty Carson-proofed, so we don't always get up with him. There's not much room. There's not a lot of things he can get into in his room. Um, 
we try to kind of just get some sleep, but usually we can hear them and doesn't really help us sleep too much. Yeah, and parents we talk to who have kids with seizures, and one of the issues is not only the seizures but the lack of sleep, is that they experience PTSD. Do you think you have that? Um, I'm not really sure. could maybe be some of my issues with sleeping because I have woken up in the night a few times to him seizing. Yeah, nothing that uh, two weeks in Hawaii wouldn't help, right? Yeah, exactly. On your own. <laughs> So Carson's going to school. How does he react with the other kids at school? Um, the kids love him. He's like one of the most popular kids in his class, they say. Nice. All the, as soon as we drop him off in the morning, all the kids are giving him hugs and waiting in line to help him and help him get his coat off and his boots. And um, Just yesterday, actually, they did a little video for a boy who was moving, and one of the little girls took it upon herself to speak on Carson's behalf. In the video, so oh, that was nice. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, the kids just the kids realize he has a disability and they want to help him, right? Yep, exactly. He loves being there. Alana, is there anything that uh, you want to say in conclusion about Angelman or Carson or the use of CBD oil? Um, I would recommend it for anybody who is, has a child suffering from seizures and probably many other things it would help with. Thanks, Alana. We appreciate it. Okay, no problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Alana. Part two of this program, we want to talk about a woman who we interviewed in November of last year, 2016. Uh, Her name was Rose Pettit. She was sent to hospice. Doctors told her she should go to hospice because she had brain, lung, and bone cancer. But after using cannabis oil, she got rid of her brain cancer, got rid of her lung cancer, and she told us she had a bit of bone cancer. And we're going to play that interview after we talk to one of her friends, Jerry Malone from Ontario. Jerry, can you tell us what happened to Rose over the last several months? Well, she she was doing fine. Uh, uh, She started in um, May of 2015. Her scans in August of 2016 showed everything clean. As a matter of fact, they even tapped her husband on the shoulder and said, you see, that's what chemo does. And he had to be reminded she had no chemo. But anyway, it was scar tissue. So fast forward then to uh, early September. Rose was in such good condition physically. She got in her car in London, Ontario and drove to Sudbury, Ontario, spent some time with family. That's 500-odd kilometer each way. She was pretty healthy. So anyway, uh, backing it up again, when Rose first started, she started with uh, oral dosing and then moved to suppositories. Her body could not handle orally anything over 25 milligram. Eventually, uh, she got up to using uh, three times 400 milligram suppositories. And one morning she accidentally took a 400 milligram dose instead of her normal 25. Uh, Corey, you can you can attest to what that would have done to a 71 year old lady. Well, actually, as you said that, my mouth just kind of opened, and I'm like, oops. Yes. Yes. So what happened was there there was she had a caretaker there who uh, wasn't uh, the best person to have in in charge of something like this, and uh, she took that cap and unbeknownst to him. 
she went a little bit delirious and stumbling around and fell down and uh, kind of hysterical, everything that goes with that. He takes it upon himself to call emergency that his grandmother had a, uh, had a uh, stroke. They took her in the hospital. The condition she was in, they quickly deduced, yeah, this looks like an old lady who had a stroke. They gave her a scan. They saw the scar tissue, but they identified it as a tumor. So they, they started radiating her. Okay. Okay. No, no, sorry. You know, they what? No, I was just going to say they identified the scar tissue as a tumor, but the scar tissue was there as a result of taking cannabis oil and getting rid of the tumor. Correct. This, this is correct. Yes. Now that scan, that last scan she had that said that this was tumor or, or scar tissue, somehow got screwed up and was not in her file or nobody identified her as having gone through this at this same hospital. The cancer clinic is at the same hospital. So when they radiate or when they scanned her, they quickly deduced this was a fast-moving tumor, not scar tissue. So they were radiating scar tissue. The lady lasted less than six weeks, and she passed away. Well, Jerry, it was good of you to give us an update on this, and what we're going to do now is play the interview we did with Rose last November and uh, okay. as a tribute to her. Yeah, it's truly Very an astounding good. truly an astounding story of, uh, you know, she came, overcame so much, um, yeah. and to see a person of that age do this and be so successful and then to lose her life to radiation that she didn't even need is absolutely yep. tragic. It, it, it truly yep. is. And here's the interview Corey and I did with Rose Pettit last November. She had brain, lung, and bone cancer. Doctors told her that she should go to hospice because she was dying. She took cannabis oil, got rid of her brain and lung cancer, had a bit of bone cancer left, and as a result of an accident in which she took too much cannabis oil orally, she went to hospital, they saw the scar tissue on her brain from taking cannabis oil, gave her radiation, and she died in April of this year. Here's a tribute to Rose Pettit. Uh, Rose, how are you today? I'm not doing very well, thank you. Rose, whereabouts in the world do you live? I live in London, Ontario. Take us back to April 25th. Uh, how extensive was the cancer in your body? I was told uh, I was diagnosed with uh, type 4 lung cancer. Type 4 lung cancer. Did you also have uh, cancer elsewhere in your body? Cancer of the brain and of the bone. And what did the doctors, what sort of prognosis did they give you? Uh, they didn't say anything to me personally. Uh, my oncologist told my family doctor that she figured I probably had four to six weeks. Four to six weeks to live? Yes. And what did they suggest? They suggested you go to hospice? They suggested I go to hospice, and uh, they put me on uh, a pill called... Um, you had radiation first? I had radiation. I had five treatments of radiation. And I had, um, I took a pill called, um, what is the name, what? Arisa. Arisa. And I take one of these every night, and um, they will not, the oncologist told me at the very beginning that this would not stop the cancer, it would not cure the cancer, that it would slow it down. So, it's that, a, Rose, it was a form of chemotherapy then, an oral chemotherapy type pill then? Uh, yes. Ah, uh, Okay. 
It's a home bill. Okay. When did you decide uh, that you wanted to try cannabis? After talking to my family, um, my family encouraged me to try the cannabis, cannabis oil, and um, I took it. I take it um, by suppository. I take it rectally. Not very glamorous, mm-hmm. but uh, it works. Yes, and that way you don't get the psych- psychotropic effects, and you don't get high that way. I don't like the feeling of being high. I have uh, inadvertently taken the pill. Um, <laughs> they should have been uh, taken rectally. I have taken it orally. I don't like it. <laughs> it's very, you become very paranoid. I I become very paranoid with it. Mm-hmm. It was 400 milligrams that I took orally. Accidentally. Accidentally. And not I, good. <laughs> not good. I made sure that my stove was off, my coffee maker was turned off, my apartment door was locked, but I was still certain that somebody was going to come in and catch me. But I thought, I have a license for doing this, it's okay. But I was still for <laughs> four or five hours, I was still freaking out. Mm-hmm. So, talk to us about when you first started taking oil. How much did you start out with, and what did that feel like for you? I think it was. 25 milligrams orally, and uh, a lot of it I cannot remember. Uh, my ex-husband will refresh my memory, but um, I was going, I felt like giving up from time to time, but it was a cannabis oil that kept me going. I would, uh, uh, they would increase the strength of it, and I would take it to my suppository that way. So that was really good. And that was easier for you because then you're not suffering the effects from the cannabis, That's correct? Right. I, I could not feel the effects of it. Okay. So when did you start noticing that maybe you were feeling a little better? I went up to uh, I went to my son's in Sudbury in October a year ago, and I was really skinny at that time. I had dropped from 138 pounds. I went down to 100. 194. 194 pounds, or pardon me, I went down to 94 pounds, 94 pounds, and uh, when I left, um, I like I couldn't, I had lost my appetite, and I could not eat anything, um, I didn't feel like eating, I didn't feel like, I just wanted to sleep, and um, I went up to my son's, I was there for a week, and I came back, you got off the fentanyl and more things. I got off the fentanyl and the uh, hydromorph. I've been improving daily. Was it difficult to get off those uh, other drugs you were taking, the prescription well, drugs? No, I just, when I went up to my son's, uh, I had a fentanyl patch on me. It was due to, re- to be replaced the following day. And my son asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said, no. Well, I'll work with this one for a couple of days. I finally said, okay, take it off, and I didn't bother with the patch, and I had already discarded the uh, hydromorph, and I was on the cannabis oil only. So when, okay. when, you, uh, when you were on the cannabis oil and you started to feel better, did you advise your doctor of what you were doing? Oh, yes, my doctor knows. He knows. And he, oh, she knows. Oh, she knows. She was agreeable? The oncologist, no, she wasn't agreeable. <laughs> I guess she just wanted you to go home and die. 
I would seem so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a little bit of an inconvenience. I fooled them all, and she looks at me now, and she says I'm her miracle patient. But she fails to recognize that cannabis was the miracle. She will not say anything about cannabis. No, isn't that interesting? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, absolutely. How are you today? When when you went back for uh, tests for your brain, uh, lung, and bone cancer, how are you today? I wound up in the hospital in September last year, or just overnight, because I, uh, at that time I was still pretty sick, and I went to bed, and my doctor had put me on Hydromorph, which was very strong for the pain. While I was on, I had the urge to go to the washroom, and I got up to go to the washroom, and I could not go. And I was in agony. My son called uh, an ambulance. I went to the hospital. They did x-rays on me, and uh, I finally, with the medications that they gave me at the hospital, I did finally go to the washroom. But uh, the following morning, they were going to send me home, and... uh, A doctor came in and told us that, um, well, um, we did the x-rays and the cancer that you had in your brain is gone. Excuse me, but I didn't know I had cancer in the brain at that time. (laughs) So, you know, something I didn't know I had was gone. So the the cancer in the brain was gone. What about the lungs and the bones? Uh, According to the x-rays and the CAT scans these days, the cancer in the, the... Lungs is gone. They tell me that I still have cancer of the bone. You still have cancer of the bone. They uh, tell me that, yes. Yeah. Not for long if you keep up with the soil would be my thought. That's right. I just wonder, could I add one thing, uh, Corey? Please do. Sure. This is uh, Jerry Malone? No, this is Lauren. I'm uh, Rose's husband. Oh, okay. And uh, to mention the hospital thing, I got Rose has forgotten some things. Which is Yeah, please fill us in. But anyhow, when she was in the hospital and for this, uh, it was an overdose of morphine. That's why she was in there. Ah, uh, okay. The doctor did this, the, the brain scan, like she said, and came back and she said the uh, everything looks okay. There's no damage. We the brain, the cancer cells that were there are dead or gone now. She said there's scar tissue. She said that must have been because of the chemotherapy. And I looked at the doctor and I told her, I said she has never had chemotherapy. And the doctor said, well, that's very unusual. And at that point, I knew the only thing Rose had taken was cannabis oil, and it cleared up the brain cell cancer. Interesting. So yeah. On, you know. So, uh, Rose, uh, you're going to take cannabis oil, I assume, for the rest of your life. Yes, I will be. And great. And you feel you feel good? I think I would if I didn't. Uh, if I hadn't, I am taking up. Uh, Injection of something once uh, every four weeks that's supposed to uh, remove the excess uh, calcium from my body. They said it could be caused by the ERESA pills that I'm taking. It's great to uh, to know that you're on the road to recovery and you're feeling a lot better and uh, you didn't have to go to hospice and oh, okay. uh, live out your final days in hospice. So you're good for at least another 25 years. I figure. <laughs> I plan on being here for that long. Okay, great. Thank you very much for talking to us. appreciate it. Anything you want to say in conclusion? I have one thing. I'd just like to mention one thing. When Rose, she told you the story, she went to her son's place, she said, Barry, and uh, got off the cannabis. 
and got off the fentanyl patches. At that point, the pain she was having, the reason for taking these drugs, right. the pain was gone. Right. The pain stopped after she stopped taking the morphine yes. and the fentanyl. Yeah. No, that's amazing. They gave me the uh, fentanyl and the hydromorph for pain, but that's what caused it. Well, it's good to, good you're on the road to recovery, Rose, and uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I'm glad to tell my story. And that was an interview Corey and I did with Rose Pettit from London, Ontario, Canada, last November. And just to recap, she had brain, lung, and bone cancer, got rid of her brain cancer, got rid of her lung cancer, had a bit of bone cancer left. And as a result of doctors detecting, when she went to the hospital in April of this year, doctors detecting the fact that she had some tissue in her brain, they thought it was a tumor, but it was actually scar tissue that was there from the remnants of her taking cannabis oil. And uh, they gave her radiation. And as a result of the radiation, she died. And so that is a tribute to Rose Pettit of London, Ontario. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.